dark science and everything else They slap down a new topic and dash off to the next It's a great big world with so much to know Like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe If you wanna be a smarty, better learn something fast With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash On today's episode, we are discussing a true horror icon, Freddy Krueger. Across from me is a man with a striped sweater who has been sharpening finger knives and practicing bad puns. Freddy Deaton, how are you on this uh, spooky, spooky, almost Halloween night? I'm doing well. Not sleeping very well, though, as it as it were. Things oh, you, have been getting pretty creepy in my dreams, man. You you have to drink some of the, all that B12 stuff and all that the the, the energy drinks and the, the all the energy sh- anything it takes to keep you awake because you can't you know can't no, doze no, off. No doze. No, you can't. Yeah, take the no doze because you can't doze off. <laughs> You're in trouble if you do. Yeah, one two. Freddy's coming for you. That's four. Better lock the door. Yeah. Five, six, pick up your crucifix. Yeah, what does that do to Freddy? Is that a thing? I don't I don't think anyone ever... I, I never personally saw, I think, one used on Freddy. I don't either. I maybe think it just that, rhymes. Maybe that was their first mistake. <laughs> you know, it's like, we gave you the battle plan. Lock the door and get the crucifix. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll come into the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put my sunglasses on for the crucifix. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yes. So, so Freddy Krueger was one of the uh, true faces of uh, of eighties and nineties horror, right? I he mean, was. to me, it's always Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees earlier on, sure, uh, and then also throughout the whole eighties. But uh, and then obviously mid eighties up and through the nineties, it was Freddy Krueger, right? right? And, and you said true face. That's kind of interesting, and maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. But we will. It's a little bit different with Freddy Krueger, and so Shannon, like you just mentioned, I think you're going to talk specifically about the character of Freddy and how mm-hmm. he developed, and maybe what makes him different than maybe Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. That's typically who he's who he's clumped with together, right? Right. Uh, but just a quick review, uh, just in case uh, that we have some very very young listeners, or we have uh, you know older listeners that perhaps have you know, maybe lived under a rock their entire life, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Freddy was the main character in the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movies, the the entire series. The first movie came out in 1984 and the last in 1994. Mm -hmm. However, Freddy vs. Jason, which came out in 2003, was the highest grossing movie of either franchise. Which blows me away because they've had some... Some killer movies, as it were. Oh, I like that. You, <laughs> you, you talk about bad puns. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, Freddie has some. Uh, Freddie had a very distinct look and a very distinct weapon, uh, both of which we'll talk about in a, in, in a little while. But Shannon, I guess maybe before we talk about any super specifics, just tell us sort of maybe in general terms, who was Freddy Krueger? Freddy Krueger, Jason, was uh, a character, as you said, who first appeared in Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. He is the spirit of a serial killer, which <laughs> that's that's no good that's at all. That's creepy. Yeah, that's not good at all. Uh, who uses a gloved hand with razors to kill his victims in their dreams, and that makes him a little bit different. Yep. Because all the other slashers of the time, you know, Jason and Michael and whoever else, they were killing you in the streets. You, right. you were awake if you were asleep. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Well, it, it could still be a big deal, but it's it's not for the same reason. Yeah, this you know, th- th- this cat can only kill you in your sleep. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And if you die in your sleep, 
you die in real life, right? According to the movies. According to the movies. Right. So, uh, you know, no jumping off the bridge to wake yourself up. No running into Freddy's glove to wake no. yourself up. Because you're not waking up as, it, you know. <laughs> you did. Yeah, that's it. Freddie gets you. You dead. Fre- Freddie's, uh, yeah, Freddie got you. That's it. In the dream world, Freddie is a powerful force, and he's almost completely invulnerable. You, right. you can't really do anything. That's his domain. Right. If you're asleep and he's in your head, if he's in your dreams, then he pretty much owns that whole reality there. He just toys with people. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, when Freddy is pulled into the real world, something we find out that you can do uh, throughout the various movies, uh, you can't hurt him then. So right. at various times, teenagers will grab Freddy and kind of pull him out of the dream. You know, they'll do something to wake them up. Suddenly, I know in uh, one of the movies, they hatch a plan where it's like, I'm, I'm going to grab Freddy. And when I do that, you you do whatever to, to wake me up. Like, you right. give me sort a of dose simultaneously. of something. Right. And, you know, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be holding Freddy. And then, you know, you, you do with him what you will. Right. right? So he's in our world now. He, right. He's in our world. Yeah. So whenever he comes out into the real world, he has these normal human vulnerabilities. And they can right. essentially destroy him. Uh, in the original 1984 film, Freddie was introduced as the Springwood Slasher, a serial killer of children, which is unique. And I hate to even say it, yeah. But you know, Michael and Jason, they didn't go after the kids. No, we had talked about this a few days ago uh, in in preparation for this particular uh, episode, and that's true. You know, so now you know Michael and Jason, uh, you know, they're they're similar in that they'll kill teenagers, young adults, older people. But never small kids, right? And, right? and so when I say small kids, I'm like ten and under, maybe. Sure. You know, maybe even thirteen or fourteen and under. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, they they don't do that uh, in in any of the movies, quite frankly. And in and in the very first Nightmare on Elm Street, we learned that this serial killer in real life that that's exactly who he targeted was like these young defenseless kids. Yeah. And I guess you'll talk a little bit more just in a moment about kind of what happens, but right. that that definitely separates him is that that was. That was his targets. Was these little kids, and you know, just right away, you're just kind of use cringe when yeah. when you see that. And so that that's different than his predecessors. It is, you know. Whereas Jason Voorhees was going after the camp counselors, obviously there were children there at the summer right. camp sometimes, but he didn't he didn't necessarily go after them. Right. They see them run off screaming. Just the or, older teenagers and the young adults. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I always thought that was just sort of a like a movie thing, like an MPAA or a rating yeah. issue or something. But Freddy sort of defies logic in that yep. way, and he defies the the rating systems. And yeah, he is a killer of children. And uh, according to the movie's lore, the parents in the town, well, they they got fed up with that. Right, you right. Know, don't don't kill our children because <laughs> we're 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 coming after you, right? Sort of like a in a, a vigilante style. That's correct. And the the thing about it is, it's kind of weird. He originally is arrested for this because they all know he's doing it, and he gets off on a technicality. There's like some paperwork, like some clerical error, something, like somebody yeah. signs a warrant or something in the wrong place, or it's silly, and he gets loose. So that's why the parents sort of take it into their own hands right. and decide this guy's got to pay. Yeah, we're going to get rid of this guy. So they they basically burn him alive, and and that is what contributes to this look. That Freddy Krueger has that right. makes him so different. The thing about Freddy Krueger is he doesn't wear a mask, right? Whereas these other killers are scary because they're behind the hockey mask, they're behind the William Shatner right. mask. Uh, Freddy Krueger is just himself. He is this disfigured, burned face 
man. Uh, he wears this dirty red and green striped sweater and this brown fedora. On paper, that sounds terrible. Oh goodness! If I were to if I were to invent a monster, and you know, without ever seeing Freddy, without have uh, having ever seen Robert England's performance right. as Freddy Krueger, it doesn't sound like anything about that works. Right. right. Here's this uh, raisin of a man. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he's inside this red and green sweater. He's wearing a brown fedora and, and he's got knife hands. It just doesn't scream scary, you no. know, killer right. to me. There, there was something more simplistic about Michael and Jason and that they, they just sort of wore a, a jumpsuit or just, you know, there wasn't right. anything special about There the was clothing. a practicality to, the, to their killing, really. It was just <laughs> like, you know, this is what I come to do and this is what I happen to be wearing. So everyone's going to have exactly. to deal with it, right? Yeah, but, but Freddie, he, he has his, you know, in practice, it is scary. And it, it almost works in like this clashy, clashy kind of uh, garish way. It doesn't. Yeah. There's something unsettling about him because of the mix match of the way he looks yeah. and, and the way he dresses. But, you know, on on his right hand, always on the right hand, he wears that trademark metal-clawed leather glove. And I read that this thing was so heavy that during production and, and even during the filming, he, he could barely lift it up, the the actor that played Freddy Krueger. You know, he, he could barely get that thing up. And that actually is what contributed to that iconic uh, imagery of him sort of almost dragging the claw. And I know we're going to talk more about oh, yeah. the claw here in just a little bit. But the red and green colors of the sweater were chosen because Wes Craven read an article in Scientific American, which mentioned that red and green were the most difficult colors for humans to perceive. And I can see that. I, I've seen red and green together, and um, you know they're on opposite ends of the color wheel. Right. And even during Christmas, those are sort of Christmassy yep. colors. And there's uh, a weird juxtaposition contrast there for Freddy Krueger to be this killer, but he's is is he not wearing Christmas colors? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean really? it looks like he's like works at a mall. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's going to be the friendly door greeter. Right. Yeah. Come come see Santa. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Freddy Krueger as a character has you know wowed audiences for a long time. Wizard Magazine rated Freddy the 14th greatest villain of all time the british television channel sky 2 listed him as eighth and the american film institute ranked him 40th on its 100 heroes and villains list this isn't like just you know horror movie characters this right. is like everybody gotcha putting him beside the joker and bane right. and all these villains you know throughout history and he, he still ranks fairly high on that list uh, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie, talking about the look of Freddy, the filmmakers didn't want to show Freddy too much. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast, that the idea of the monster is scarier than the execution of the monster. Right, than the actual monster himself or itself. or yeah, Right, when you actually see it, it's usually not as scary as just imagining what it could be like. And in fact, Freddy only appeared for about seven minutes during the entire runtime of that first film. Hmm. So he, he really that. wasn't on screen a whole lot. But Jason, before we get back into talking about Freddy, let's take just a quick break for just a moment, maybe a quick nap. Hopefully oh, we'll make it back. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and maybe while we're napping, our listeners can check out the Slapdash store. Now, maybe they could do that. 
Hey everyone, we're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice slapdash hoodie or a slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. Welcome back. Uh, And today, uh, once again, on this episode, we are discussing Freddy Krueger. In many ways, people are more scared of Freddy's razored glove than they are of Freddy, honestly. I mean, so when I think of, and this is just me, but when I think of Freddy Krueger, I think of that glove, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think of his face and his voice and, and all that and the the, the fedora, but really <laughs> he is in, <laughs> he, he is inseparable, right? I mean, from from that gloved hand. I mean, it's they're just, one and the same. They're one and the same. That's his claim to fame. So when when Wes Craven was creating the character, he realized that every horror icon needed a recognizable weapon. You know, Michael Myers had the big butcher knife. Uh, Jason Voorhees uh, had the machete. You know, most mm-hmm. often. So he realized that it needs to be something along those same lines, but it also had to be something a little bit different. Sure. Uh, something maybe a little more, I mean, perhaps smaller, more agile, just something different. And so he actually, uh, uh, Wes Craven, the director, he came up with the idea of the gloves by actually watching, you, you may have heard this before or read it, by watching his cat. You told me about this before, and yeah. that surprises me. So you know, while he's at home, he's he's watching his cat. And if you've ever noticed, you know, cats sort of press their paws against things, mm-hmm. right? Sort of slowly, and they massage their paws, and you can see their claws come out. Yeah. And uh, so he, you know, he realized there's something very primitive about that, that obviously those claws could, could draw blood, uh, much like, sort of, you know, like a knife. And mm-hmm. so that's... He, he kind of went with that, and he said, we need to make something maybe just on one hand because he didn't want to do two hands where it's like an animal. It, yeah. you know, it clearly still needed to be a weapon, right? but it just needed to be different. And so that's that's what he ended up doing. And you know, basically, he he wanted to emphasize the, the brutality of it. Uh, he didn't want it to be something where, like, you just you chop someone's head off, like some of the other movies. And this mm-hmm. one, you know, if you notice on, on a lot of the uh, the kills throughout the movies, of course, and a lot of it's like super supernatural, right? Where he kills them in a number of different ways or whatever. Yeah. But when he uses that claw a lot, it's just he just he just scratches them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he just like scratches and scratches. I mean, really deep cuts, like death and, by a thousand cuts, rather than just lopping the head off yeah and then eventually he'll stab him but it's very it just kind of goes on and on and on and that's also something that's different than i think uh that in in the michael myers movies i mean he just kills you instantly if he can right if you're in the striking distance it's two seconds and it's over Mm kind of the same way with jason uh freddie likes to he's almost like a professional wrestler i mean he there's a lot of theatrical stuff to it right he likes to he dance likes to around talk it up and, yeah, yeah talks trash and maybe i'll get you with this and then i'll have a pipe grow out maybe my tongue will be a snake for a while but <laughs> eventually i'm going to kill you in some way right yeah, yeah. but it's it always goes back to that gloved hand and i mean and even the sounds like in, in the first movie where he's he's like in a in a dark poorly like lit uh boiler room mm-hmm. uh, in in people's dreams and you know he's walking along like a like a uh, elevated walkway and He's scraping the the razors against uh, like like an iron bar. See the sparks and just hear yeah. that grinding of metal on yeah. metal. And see, and and that again, that's also different because with Jason, you never know 
when he's coming, right? right? I mean, it's just like, boom, he pops in and there he is. With Michael Myers, they did some things like with, with lighting where like, you know, they would, the, the camera would pan and you may see him standing in a corner. Mm-hmm. So you know he's in the room. Sure. But with, with him, it's like he, he wants you to know he's coming. Mm-hmm. And that that's also a little different. So He's more cerebral than the others. Yeah. Whereas Michael and Jason are a little bit more primitive. It, it almost feels like they're just kind of animalistic in a way, just sort of stalking yeah. their prey. Yeah. Freddy is very intentional, and he plays mind games. Right. And, you know, he's he's just different. And I think maybe that's why it worked because, you know, we, we had or we had Michael Myers and then, you know, uh, a couple of years later we had Jason Voorhees and we had both of them going back and forth for, you know, six or seven years. And then all of a sudden we get this new guy, mm-hmm. you know, and Freddie's just way different. You know, uh, we, we talked about that. His weapon's a little different. It, it's a little more intellectual and in yeah. how it's like it's physically been made. Mm-hmm. That he's made that. Yeah. He didn't just pick it up. He created that himself. Yeah. As I mean, an instrument of killing. To kill. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we've talked about he doesn't have a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks. The others don't talk. Yeah. Uh, he wants you to know he's coming. The mm-hmm. others are more like stealth like that. So I think that's I think that's the biggest reason. And now we're going to talk about the sort of the, uh, the dream aspect of everything in a moment. Mm-hmm. But he was just different. I mean, he everything about him was different, and I think that's probably why it worked. I'm not so I'm not so sure that uh, the public, in terms of, of going to the movies and, and paying money to watch a movie and having a night out, that they probably would want to see another masked killer mm-hmm. along the same lines of, of Freddie or I'm sorry of, of Jason and, and Michael after having seen that for six or seven years. Sure, it had to be something different, and, and he's definitely different. He, I mean, he, everything about him is. Yeah, and uh, as you said, as the other killers were, you know brutal in their physicality like they murdered you in the real world freddie would have these elaborate death oh yeah you know the way he would go about setting up the kill and things was just so off the wall because he was existing in your mind in a in a dream state in a dream world it was completely a fantasy and he was his own little king right inside he was in charge yeah he can manipulate things so let's talk about that aspect of it let's talk about the dreams and kind of what all that entails you know, as we said, Freddie lives in the dreams of his victims. He's he's not really a physical entity in the traditional sense. Um, throughout most of the movies, Freddie is not tangible. You you can't just kill him like you would another horror movie slasher like Jason or Michael Myers. He's also he has this uh, unique motivational aspect. He's fueled by the town's fear of him. And, and yeah. that empowers him. And, you know, that becomes a major plot point in some of the movies where they say, you know, if we can get rid of some of the information about Freddy Krueger. And I, I think at some point there's a generation of townspeople that hide the information, you right. know, hide what's in the library and in the newspapers. And, and, and slowly Freddy starts to fade out from, you know, what he's doing because for whatever reason, Freddy can only exist if you are afraid of him. Right. Your, your fear of him gives him the power to do what he's doing. I'm sure there's some kind of psychological commentary right. buried and, in and there somewhere. And it's this vicious cycle because once, once he has enough power to sort of inflict the first ounce of pain, then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people now are scared of him, right? Right. Because, you know, you have this teenager that goes and I, this crazy man in my dreams came and then, 
you know, that person tells the next person, mm-hmm. and then they kind of start doing some investigation. And, and you know, meanwhile, he's just becoming more and more, more powerful. More powerful. Yeah. He's showing up to these other people in their dreams, and that continues to fuel and fuel and fuel. Right. And perhaps that's why he does toy with people, because if he does feed on the fear, just an instant kill isn't going to do anything for spreading his popularity around. Right. right? So he's going to go to these great lengths in order to terrify people allow them possibly to wait from the dream or, or, you know, not kill them right away so that they can, number one, continue to be fearful of him, and number two, perhaps spread the news that, hey, someone is living in my dreams. And by doing that, you know, that's playing to to Freddy's power base. He's becoming more and more powerful. And I think that actually was part of the plot of Freddy versus Jason. The townspeople were beginning to forget about Freddy. Right. So Freddie goes into this uh, uh, elaborate scheme of bringing Jason Voorhees to Elm Street, basically, and the killings begin, like real physical killings, and people in the know begin to attribute that to Freddy Krueger. And then suddenly, you know, his name gets stirred back up, people become fearful again, and Freddie is using Jason as an instrument to get people scared. Right. And, and when they get scared, well, he's able to do more to them in the dream world so you know this idea of exploring dreams it was a brand new territory for horror in the 80s and the concept really helped distinguish freddy krueger from his slasher brethren wes craven (laughs) (laughs) wes craven said that the details of the first nightmare on elm street movie were inspired by real events people say this all the time don't they that right everything was right (laughs) texas chainsaw massacre yeah yeah this this really happened uh to somebody at some time but there was an article in the los angeles times stating that various people were dying in their sleep after suffering from nightmares and my question to that is okay I, i can i can give them that maybe people were dying in their sleep how do they know they were having nightmares that yeah. part just kind of eludes me from like a scientific perspective. How do we know that these people who died were having nightmares? Yeah, I mean, they could have had aneurysms. They could have had heart <laughs> attacks. And, and I'm sure they made some kind of sound. Yeah. So like if someone heard them yell or, I mean, it's, it's probably because of pain or some discomfort. It, it's not necessarily uh, a nightmare. I mean, And I yeah. wouldn't imagine that they're being like studied and investigated simultaneously while they're also dying. <laughs> you know, so how do they, how <laughs> right. do they possibly know? How do they that come to yeah. that conclusion? Yeah. That's a tough sale. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see that article, though, and see what this was really based on. But, you know, why are dreams a scary place to be stalked by a killer? You know, I've, I've had scary dreams. You ever right. had a nightmare where oh, yeah. somebody's after you, but you wake up? And the thing about those those um, sorts of dreams for me is when I wake up, and I in the daylight, I'm not really a scaredy cat kind of guy. Like, right. you know, it, things don't bother me as much. You know, even, even at night— before I go to bed, like, you know, uh, my wife, she'll, she'll hear a sound like the, the ice maker in the fridge <laughs> is dropping ice, and she'll say, what was that? You know, and I'll say, that's the ice maker. <laughs> you know, or something. But, you know, so, so different sounds and noises throughout the house, she'll, she'll kind of get creeped out about that. But I, something happens to me if I wake up from a nightmare, like in the middle of the night, and I oh, can't yeah. even really explain it. But I'll wake up, and number one, it's really hard to go back to sleep. Yeah. Just, I, you know, because if you wake up suddenly, and it has, I'm sure there's some deep scientific explanation to do with REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, or something, and you woke up in the middle of something. But other than that, I do tend to be a little bit more 
fearful, I guess, when I wake up from a nightmare in the middle of the night. And it sort of defies reason. Like, I don't feel like I'm in my right state of mind almost. I'm like, if, if I have a dream that something's after me or somebody's after me right. when I wake up, I am just a little bit more alert and on guard about, like, sounds in the house and thinking about, you know, what's going on. And I do have trouble kind of going back to sleep. And I, I've never been able to, to really explain that because intellectually I know, man, that was a dream. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was just asleep and I can rationalize it in the daytime. But when I wake up in the middle of the night from a nightmare, I can't do that. It's, Somehow I have to talk myself down. It's, it's, say, a, it's, a, it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen studies that, that basically say that, that people, that everyone dreams every night and, but that you just, you do, that you just don't remember them. Yeah. And that some dreams seem like they go on for two hours. And I mm-hmm. think they're just seconds long. Is that uh, bizarre? Is, is what, according to studies. So, Personally, I I probably only can remember maybe one dream a month. I mean, there might be yeah. maybe one day a month, like one night a month, I'll wake up, and it's not even like a like a nightmare. It's just mm. something strange, you know. Like I'm a you know a garden gnome eating chocolate and it's <laughs> raining grasshoppers or something. I mean, yeah. just something that makes no sense. A happy dream, in a uh, sort of just 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 kind of a bizarre dream. Yeah, uh, I can specifically remember the, the worst dream I've had in probably three years, and it, it was probably about three years ago. And I, I woke up like in a cold sweat and like, and I remember waking up. You know, it took me about five seconds to realize, okay, that was just a total dream, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like so thankful, like when I woke up because. The, the the dream I had was that basically I went to my I went to my parents' house and of course my parents are like the most loving people in the world right and I go to my parents' house and uh, you know we're like yeah dinner will be at six and whatever you know and so like I I'm walking back into the the bathroom where my my mom and uh, stepdad live and I look in a room and there's just a dead body laying there oh my gosh and I and I so I scream and I, and I come in there and I'm like don't don't move guys I don't know what's going on and they're like Oh yeah, sorry, we had to do that. And then, huh. and then all of a sudden, I realized in my dream that they're just like these these serial killers, oh my and I, I had never known. And then they told me like, you know, you can't tell anybody now. And and like in my dream, I'm like, so you. I mean, I just I was so conflicted, I didn't know what mm-hmm. to do, you know. And they were just serving food, and yeah, no big deal. And, and I and I just woke up, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I was just like, you know, shaking, you know. So it it's amazing how real that some some nightmares can really be. I mean, f- I mean, literally have a physical effect on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I woke up and I was sweating and shaking. I mean, yeah. I was that nervous. So yeah. I could see where nightmare on elm street where people that have these dreams and 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 the director and the writers they kind of tap into that. That's something that everyone can identify with, right? It is, yeah. Because you know, it's it's something like, well, I don't believe in Jason. I, I don't believe in Michael. There's no one coming out there. But I don't. I'm not sure what I would dream, you know. <laughs> and so that, that's sort of some uncharted territory, and and sort of a you know that that's a other world that you don't really have control over. Yeah. And that sometimes it doesn't make sense. Right. And I think that's kind of what makes it scary. It is, and you you touched on something that I think is at the heart of why this is scary. You can't avoid dreams, whereas you can sort of sidestep Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. I've argued for years, stop going to Camp Crystal Lake. Don't go. Just don't go. (laughs) Jason lives there. He's going to stab people. Right. Don't live there. (laughs) Hey, don't go to Hatfield, right, (laughs) or any hospitals. Yeah, it's been, you know, 20 years since, you know, Michael does this about once a Halloween. You can, you know, (laughs) set your clock by it. Just kind of stay away from there. But you can't stop yourself from sleeping. And that's kind of the scary thing about this entire franchise and what it attempts to do, because everyone has to sleep at some point. 
you know, one of the scariest aspects of the movie is that you can only truly escape Freddy by doing something that is impossible to do, right? Which is to escape sleep. And the characters that they do everything they can to stay awake. Oh yeah, and not dream. You know, this this is a common theme, and it would be my go to. Like, how how do I stay awake right. if I know you know Freddy's coming for me when I fall <laughs> asleep? Uh, they even you know take these fictional drugs. One of them's called Hypnoseal, I yeah. think. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but nothing works. Eventually, the characters each end up in their own nightmare, usually in Freddy's boiler room, right, know, or, or, or some setting like that. But uh, yeah, these these movies are visceral. They are, you know, there's some comedic elements, which is kind oh, of yeah. an interesting part yeah. to it. Is that Freddie is sort of a stand up comic? It's all almost. these slapstick pun type stuff that you know that he does. But sort of thinking back about all those movies, to me, honestly, the, the most terrifying parts of those movies. I mean, Freddie's scary, and and I get it. But the scariest part of all those movies, all of them, mm-hmm. is kind of the the moment where okay so someone falls asleep right and then right. all of a sudden you're you're in his boiler room or you're wherever and he's after you and he's starting to slash you and and murder you and then the camera would flash back and a person's just like laying in bed and everything's fine in their in the real world in their room mm-hmm. but these wounds begin to show up on their bodies yeah that was the scariest part for me it's like you know they're being murdered in this alternate reality but they're actually dying in reality yeah and then sometimes they would float on right. the, and that that was the scariest part mm-hmm. of all those movies because to, to whatever, me. whatever was happening in the dream was happening to them in real life you just right. couldn't see the freddy element right to yeah. it uh, and I remember in one of the movies, maybe it's Freddy versus Jason, where a, a group of characters are together. They're trying to keep themselves accountable to not fall asleep. And then all of a sudden they see just like one of them hovering and getting slashed up. And they're like, oh, no, you know, Bob fell asleep or whatever. Right. And that is that is terrifying. That's its own element of fear, because that begins to show you that Freddy has power not only in the dream world, but in real life in, in the fact that, you know, he can scare you by just lifting your friends up in the air and spinning them around you right. know, on, on his uh, on his claws right basically so interesting movies very scary movies and um yeah i i don't plan on sleeping tonight maybe maybe never again i'm not sure what do you think uh i'm probably going to maybe drink me a couple of like uh, red bulls and some diet mountain dews and maybe if, if i can just hold off until like november 1st yeah maybe if i could get all the the, the halloweeny vibes off and, sure. and and we're and we're finished maybe freddie and and all these all, all these kinds of guys will just sort of be gone yeah yeah we're, we're getting ready to turn the corner a little bit right but, you know we still have a couple of days to enjoy this stuff maybe maybe i will fire up a nightmare on Elm nightmare street. street see how it's uh see how it holds up but jason that's all i have for this episode do you have anything else to add about freddie before he you know comes for you uh i, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen i was just sitting here thinking though that i, I think freddie would have to go on my mount rushmore of horror movie icons yeah definitely right? yep i guess it would be freddie jason michael and somebody i'm not i don't know there's not a obvious fourth there's not i i would have a few mentions i I think the hellraiser character comes close as far as thinking about those old movie characters just pinhead oh yeah just the the image of yeah Mm -hmm. chucky maybe chucky maybe yeah Yeah. but there's just there's just not a fourth that pops no he's definitely part of the unholy trio <laughs> yeah i guess you would say. i don't think i'd want to mess with any of those guys but but yeah the, the nightmare on elm street movies uh if you uh, if you have if you've never watched them uh you know give them a shot if, if it's been 
a decade or two since you have, uh, I would highly recommend to go back and kind of with a sort of a clean slate Mm -hmm. and just go back and uh, just kind of appreciate them for what they are. I agree. If you enjoyed this episode, also consider checking out some of our earlier Halloween episodes, some of the ones we did last year as well. We covered the complete uh, chronological movie order of Halloween uh, in uh, History of Michael Myers, and we did the same for Jason Voorhees for the Friday the 13th series. So right. go back and give those a listen. They turn and, out really good. And we also have an episode where we discuss uh, the history of Halloween, the holiday, yeah, and kind of where that came from. I think that's a couple of years ago yep. that we did that, but th- I think that's a really good episode. Yeah, Halloween's always a big time here for Slapdash. We really enjoy doing these sort of episodes. But thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you for tuning into the podcast. Consider liking us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at slapdash pod and we will catch you in the next episode happy halloween